When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Maybe it's just that you don't know how to use social courtesy. Oh, that's old-fashioned. Watch how Lizzie Post and Dan Post act as host and hostess. They know that courtesy means showing respect, thinking of the other person, real friendliness. Hello! And welcome to Awesome Etiquette. Where we explore modern etiquette through the lens of consideration, respect, and honesty. On today's show, we take your questions on tipping on a discounted service, sending gifts when you can't attend a wedding shower, delivering welcome bags to out-of-town guests, and how to solve the mystery of who sent a wedding gift that arrived with no card or sender information. For Awesome Etiquette Sustaining members, our question is about rude behavior from family members at a wedding. Plus your most excellent feedback, Etiquette Salute, and a postscript where we dive deeper into the cost of bad behavior by Christine Porath and Christine Pearson. All that's coming up. Awesome Etiquette comes to you from the studios of our home offices in Vermont and is proud to be produced by the Emily Post Institute. I'm Lizzie Post. And I'm Dan Post-Senning. Hey, cuz! Tick-tock, tick-tock, tick-tock. <laughs> I know, this week has been such like a everything-by-the-minute type of week. Uh, you're getting ready to head out to Star Island, as we mentioned last week, and that's going to be really exciting. You've got a birthday, a rehearsal dinner party. I feel like you and I have two podcasts to record, and and your in-laws are coming for a night. <laughs> you you're passing the test. I, I tell you so much stuff. And you do. <laughs> it sounds like we communicate well enough that it's it's all landed. It's registered. I'm a really good listener. I might interrupt, but I'm a really good listener. <laughs> As someone who misses a lot of important details that are directly related to me and my responsibilities, I so appreciate that you have some idea of what's, what's ahead of me because I'm not you we could pull back the curtain and say this is where you're seeing the the two sides of us like me in a very project oriented space like a lot of moving parts and all the little details on them and dan like nailing the big thoughts about things but maybe not the little details (laughs) you can imagine where that gets fun audience and and where we have struggle and where it's just we accept each other where we are (laughs) We lean on each other's strengths and we do <laughs> help with each other's weaknesses. You do that I don't want to do. <laughs> it does take a lot of work to take a vacation. It really does. It does. No, it really does. Prepping for for you being away, and in some ways, it's like next week I'll be able to to dive deeper into some of the more projecty things where where they usually get eaten up with like longer meetings and decisions you and I have to make together and things like yeah. that. I always kind of love your vacations because it feels like time to just do deep dive into work. <laughs> like, kind of like when I was working on the book, like that kind of feel. You were not on vacation when I was writing the book, though. And some people come home from vacation. There's the classic, I need a vacation from my vacation. It was totally. awesome. It was full. It filled me up. And I'm exhausted. I can't believe I have to go back to work tomorrow or <laughs> get back into my routine tomorrow or whatever it is that's waiting for you after you've been away for that period of time and the world doesn't stop that stuff keeps stacking up and it is so good it is so good to relax and if you can take that time to really carve that space out it's so awesome oh it it is indeed and i'm really excited for you guys in your trip i can't wait to hear how it goes and and hear about all the interesting people that you guys are going to meet and see Hopefully some pictures of what Star Island looks like and what the vibe is. But I think it's a really, really cool family trip. And you're going to get to take your new family car that fits all of you in it, which is great. It sounds like such a little thing, but we just had not factored in how complicating that third child makes transportation. (laughs) Yeah. Three car seats is tough. We kept saying to ourselves, we need a car that all five of us can fit in. That's that's a 
a possibility in that way. But what had escaped my mind, again, back to our details versus big picture, to even take four of us for one of us, Pooja or I, to get anywhere with all three kids, we need the same car because none of them can ride up front. So it's really not just so all five of us can go somewhere, although that is awesome. It's Mm -hmm. so that any one parent can go get all three kids. Kids, exactly. <laughs> details, little details. Just little can details. I pick up my third kid? Little details. Little. Can details. I tell one other parent story, Lizzie Post, before we leave can. this intro? Because of course you can. I've discovered a new kind of party, and it's a party that I like. And I, I know like that that's going to surprise you because I don't like oftentimes parties, antisocial typically. and don't want to get together <laughs> with other people. This party works so well. I just wanted to mention it. And again, it's a discovery for me. And there's probably a lot of people out there that are just going to nod their heads and say, oh, yeah, of course. Welcome to the club. (laughs) Sometimes late to the game. What is this party? I'm getting excited. I kind of want an invitation, but I know I'm not supposed to ask for one. Well, you would enjoy it. I am sure it is the let's get together after school and we're going to include some heavy snacks for the adults party. Ooh. I like that party as an aunt. I very much so like that party when my sister and her husband throw it. It started to happen a number of times where we'll agree to get together with another child usually is the the excuse. But so the parents come along and you plan a midweek pizza that's sitting at the park with you or there's some heavy hors d'oeuvres at the kid's birthday party that the parents can eat. But it's happened again and again that I leave work and about mm-hmm. a half hour later, it's, you know, five thirty, six o'clock and the kids are playing and the parents are standing around and you're getting some pleasant social time. And there's kind of an early dinner that you get to work on. Yeah. And by the time the party wraps or the gathering or the get together, six thirty, seven o'clock, you're heading home. Kids are exhausted. You're fed. Yep. The timing is so perfect for a bath and a bedtime story. And you get a little bit of social interaction out of it. It's it's just kind of perfect. We're calling it the after school heavy hors d'oeuvres play date. I feel like you're basking in the light of of this post intense pandemic phase that we were in. <laughs> like there is definitely some of that. Like when you said like oh so many people are going to be like oh dude yeah no we get it like we we do that <laughs> like it's a thing. <laughs> um, it reminded me of how little of that was going on during the pandemic for so many families, especially oh. families with kids under five um so it's uh well welcome back yay well no it's our version of coming back <laughs> this and is it's good it is, this is it's good. so sad You're seeing it in real life well i'm sure that many of our listeners are experiencing coming back in many ways do we want to take a look at what their questions are about gathering together i think we should and bonus points for the listeners out there that Pick up the theme for today's show as we're all getting back together. (laughs) The unintentional theme. (laughs) Let's get to some questions. Let's do it. Awesome Etiquette is here to answer your questions. You can email them to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. You can also leave us a voicemail or text at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. You can also reach us on social media. On Twitter, we are at Emily Post Inst. On Instagram, we are at Emily Post Institute. And on Facebook, we're the Emily Post Institute. Just remember, use the hashtag Awesome Etiquette with your post so that we know you want your question on the show. Etiquette gets support from StoryWorth. There are some stories about your mom's life that you truly never get tired of hearing. From hilarious to heartfelt, tear-jerking to plot-twisting, mom's retelling of the events always brings a bit of joy. Just in time for Mother's Day, we here at Awesome Etiquette found the perfect gift that can capture all of your mom's stories for your family forever. It's called StoryWorth. StoryWorth helps you preserve precious memories and stories from your mom or a mother figure in your life for years to come. Here's how it works. Each week, StoryWorth emails your loved one a thought-provoking question that you get to help pick. What was your first job? Who was your first crush? (laughs) StoryWorth makes the writing process a breeze. All your loved one needs to do is to respond to the email prompt with a story. Long or short, it doesn't matter. I did this with my mom and it was really, really rewarding. 
You'll be emailed a copy of your loved one's responses as they're submitted over the course of the year. You'll get to enjoy their retelling of the stories, some you probably already know, or maybe the ones that you're surprised by you haven't heard before. <laughs> After that year of fun discovery and reminiscing, StoryWorth compiles your loved one's stories and photos into a beautiful keepsake hardcover book that you'll be able to share and revisit for generations to come. You can even keep a copy of the book for yourself. Give all the moms in your life a unique, heartfelt gift that you all will cherish for years. StoryWorth. Right now, save $10 on your first purchase when you go to storyworth.com manners. That's storyworth, S-T-O-R-Y-W-O-R-T-H dot com slash manners. It's manners with an S to save $10 on your first purchase. And now back to our show. Our first question is titled, Tipping on a Discounted Bill. Dear Lizzie and Dan, thank you for such a fun and useful show. I've made many miles listening, learning, and laughing with the two of you as co-pilots on long drives. My question is in regard to tipping. My friend from high school owns a high-end salon in a town we both happen to live in, which is still smaller, around 15,000 people. We've stayed in touch the 20 years since high school, and she has been my stylist for eight years since moving to this town to open her own salon. I get my hair done twice a year and exclusively see her. It's small enough, there aren't too many options, and when I have mentioned getting a pedicure at a neighborhood salon, she was definitely a little ruffled. And, you know, I like supporting my friend's small business. The treatments would be around $200 for an eyebrow tint and wax, highlights, and a cut. She always gives me a friends and family discount, bringing the total to about $160. My question is this, what to do about tipping? 20% of the original menu cost of services? Use the discount for a percent tip? Or because she's giving me the discount, is it a faux pas to tip at all? Because by doing so, I've brought it back up to the regular cost. Additionally, I've been tipping for years awkwardly, not knowing how to navigate this. So to further complicate things, I probably shouldn't change it up now, right? I'm just trying to do the right and courteous thing. I don't think she would be offended by a tip, but I do think there's a chance she would be offended with out one. So that was how I set forth down this road of uncertainty. Do you have a pocket guide for awful tipping scenarios? Future book, maybe? Upside down smiley face. <laughs> Thanks for your thoughts on this unique quandary. Sincerely, Mandy. Mandy, thank you so much for the question. And I was going to call you navigator, but I guess co-pilot means you're actually driving. So we'd be the navigator, but I'll take the co-pilot credit. credit. <laughs> Lizzie Post? Co-pilot? Hey, co-pilot, so, Alpha, plural. Bravo, Delta. Yeah, <laughs> let's do it. <laughs> so co-pilot, I want to take a crack at giving a, a very etiquette-based answer. And then I'm do curious it. if you can bring some personal experience to bear, because I sure. think this is a question that reminded me of you. I know that you have... Because I get more of these services than you do. <laughs> and have quite good and close relationships with the people that provide them. So I think of yeah. you as a, a, a personal subject matter expert on this one. My big picture thought is that I think it's okay to tip even if you're getting a friend price reduction. I think yes. it's a, a nice idea. I wouldn't say, oh, no, no, because she's reduced the cost for me. It, it, it would somehow be offensive or, or um, questioning of her giving me that discount if I were to, to tip, to give a little bit extra. I think it's a, a nice way to show your appreciation yeah. even for that friend discount. And I would feel totally comfortable tipping on the discounted price. I wouldn't yes. say to myself, oh, I, I need to tip on the full cost of the service. So my my big picture, to go back to a theme from our intro thought, is that I would be shooting for a 20% tip on the discount. And I yeah. wouldn't worry about that offending anybody or jeopardizing that discount in the future. Again, my sort of subtle read is that the discount is for friends, that it's not offered because she's sensing the the need necessarily as much as the wanting right. to do something for you. The place where I run into a little bit of question is the idea of there having been a pattern that's already been established here. 
Mm -hmm. And I think that if I had been tipping on the full amount, I wouldn't adjust myself down <laughs> at this point. <laughs> totally. But if I had been tipping intermittently or on um, or less not than tipping. 20% or not tipping yeah. at all, I would consider adjusting up. And I, again, I wouldn't be worried about making that change offending someone. I would say yeah. the same things that I would say if I was doing it regularly, which is I would be sure to communicate my appreciation and thanks. And I would deliver the tip saying this is just a, a small gesture i really appreciate you doing this for me and i think when you combine your words and your clear communication your appreciation with delivering that tip she's going to understand where it's coming from and there shouldn't be a lot of questions about it yeah no i, to I totally agree i um uh, good job because i feel yes. like for you know someone who who doesn't exactly visit a salon in this capacity with someone who is a friend you you really got that answer down <laughs> it's um, and learned how to cut his own hair over the pandemic that, that does surprise me i was kind of impressed when i realized that most of the time that i have seen you those have been your own haircuts <laughs> dan i do think that you've you've gotten this question right i feel like i too would feel confident um, um, if you were just starting this relationship, tipping on the the discounted costs that you're receiving, but I too would really want to leave a tip if I was able to maybe leave like a, a slightly bigger tip than usual, I might. But one thing to remember is that when folks give that friends and family discount and they, they do it because they are willing, not because you're asking or putting pressure on them to do it, that's them trying to cut you a break. And if you were to tip on the full amount, well, that's generous and there's no reason why you couldn't do it. I could definitely see the the cost ending up at the same, like, you know, it wouldn't be exactly the same, but, but closer to what you would pay for the full amount. And maybe some of that generosity that your friend is feeling, it, it feels like it's just coming right back to her. You know what I mean? So in some ways I like the tip on the cost that is the discounted friends and family cost because you're still giving a tip, which is really appropriate in this situation, but you're doing it at the level that your friend is trying to help you out to be at. You know what I mean? So instead of having to tip on 200, you're having to tip on 160. And allowing for that piece of generosity to hold its place and be there and be met with reception, I think is a really nice thing to do. I like you, Dan, I don't think that then not tipping on the discount would bolster that idea even more. You know what I mean? Um, I think that the, the tip is still kind of a part of this transaction. And I think it's a good thing to keep going in this circumstance. But this does, this has me thinking, I actually do. I've got a book, a book, a session with Brie, who's been my hairstylist for like over 20 years now, I think. And she was also someone that I went to high school with. And it's been really fun. Uh, we weren't friends in high school. So it's been a lot of fun becoming really good friends um, in our adult years. And uh, I love that relationship. And it's also one where I think we've gotten really comfortable talking about different things like pricing changes. Or at one point, I wasn't aware that I was receiving a friends and family discount from her. She was telling me that she was going to up her prices. And in doing that had let me know that I had been receiving a discount for a long time. And I was like, Oh, my gosh, thank you so much. You know, like it definitely took it made me glad to hear it so that I could say thank you for it because I wasn't aware that it was happening. I had never gone on and actually looked up what the cost of each service was. So um, also a good thing to do if you if you are, you know, getting your hair done by somebody who you're really close with, um, just in case you end up in that situation. Well, that was the thing I was the most curious about. I was imagining yeah. to myself if the, the question of the discount didn't even apply here. How do you feel? How would I feel tipping a close friend? And mm -hmm. I was saying to myself, I would feel really good about it. I would feel yeah. even more inspired to tip and not that I would feel inspired to tip more, but that I would feel more inspired to tip because that appreciation, that feeling of gratitude is linked to so many other feelings. It's a strong feeling. It's not just yeah. someone I've got a service relationship with, but someone that I'm close to in some other capacity. And it's really nice to show your appreciation and a tip is a great way to do it. So I wasn't thinking of that friend relationship as complicating the nature of the tip at all. And mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it sounds like that's what I'm hearing from you as well.
Yeah. Yeah. No, definitely. Definitely how I think about it, at least. Although we always love to hear your feedback. So audience, if you have thoughts on this one, if you have a similar relationship, if you are a hairstylist who discounts for friends and family, um, we would love to hear more. So definitely send us your feedback. Mandy, thank you so much for the question. You've given us grist for the mill for future rides. Our next question is titled, Gift When You Can't Go. Hello, Lizzie and Dan. When you are unable to attend a wedding shower, are you still expected to send a gift? Thank you so much for your help. I learned so much from your podcast, Reagan. Reagan, thanks so much for the question. This is one where technically, no, you don't. That wedding right now is the only event that carries that kind of obligation, or we might say has traditionally carried that obligation of sending a gift, even if you don't attend. However, many people will choose to send a gift for a shower if they can't be there. Sometimes it depends on how close you are to the person. But I think that for for a lot of folks, this is usually a pretty intimate event. And so the people who are asked to participate if they can't go often just want to send a gift and that's it's totally up to you there is there is no you're a good person if you do and you're not if you don't kind of a thing here it's it's very much so just based on if it's in your budget and you'd really like to and you feel the connection is there go for it dan i didn't leave you a whole lot of room there unless you've you've got some secret shower gifting etiquette that i don't know about (laughs) no i don't and i I almost want to repeat everything that you said because That's something I want to do on these podcasts. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I will do my best not to do that now. The one thing that I could think to add is that there is certainly a lot of room for some decision making about the nature of a gift that you would send. If you're Mm -hmm. saying to yourself, I'm not going to go to the shower. I'm I'm not planning on this being a big event leading up to the wedding. I know that we talked on a previous show about. People sometimes choosing to do a a bigger, more substantial present as a wedding present and they do something a little smaller as a shower present if there's a Mm -hmm. budget consideration. Absolutely. And if this is one of those places where it's a a bit of a budget consideration and you're not going to be attending but you would like to send something to the shower because you do feel close to the guest of honor and you want to participate in that shower experience, that enthusiasm, that excitement, even if you can't be there in person – It's certainly an option to choose something smaller, something that has emotional significance or honors your relationship with them as a way to to moderate your participation, but not bow out completely. Reagan, thanks so much for sending in your question. We hope our answer helps you navigate some upcoming showers. Gracias, amigos. In our language, that's thanks a million we won't forget. Our next question is titled, Welcome Gift Delivery Dilemma. Hi, Lizzie and Dan. We have a room block for our hotel, but it turns out 14 out of 64 total people have chosen to book elsewhere or stay with their friends. We are providing welcome bags for those at our chosen hotel. Do we need to deliver bags to those staying elsewhere? Thank you for your time, Raphael and Sam. Ah, Raphael and Sam, thank you so much for the question. This takes me back. Last week, I got caught telling a bunch of personal stories on the show, and I can't help it. I have a (laughs) Me Too story again for this week's show. I remember well a couple of days before my wedding, my task was driving around to different hotels and dropping off welcome baskets. And someone else had done the the legwork that I'm going to suggest is something you have the opportunity to do that you're not obligated to do. But they had figured out who was staying where and how many people in those locations. They had names attached to gift baskets that were made. And Mm -hmm. just the task that fell to me was a car full of these gift baskets and going to a couple (laughs) different hotels. And I had trouble finding one of them. So I remember it well because I drove in circles around this internal complex again and again trying to find the entrance. It's something that's really appreciated. It's so much fun when you show up somewhere for an event and there's a little something waiting for you, the delicious foods and fresh fruits or some things to freshen up or maybe some favors associated with the event. And Chocolate? 
it, chocolate? it can really chocolate? feel like chocolate? the whole thing is starting <laughs> as you arrive when that moment is well handled. It does. It does. That is one of those sort of trendier things that I think uh, will probably stick around because it is so incredibly enjoyable that if, if it's in a couple's budget, it really it really is enjoyable as a guest to get some the little goodie bag. <laughs> And as you've reminded me, Lizzie Post, no matter where your wedding is, even if it's in your hometown, it's probably a destination wedding for a certain percentage of your guests. Yes. Even in your hometown, maybe the majority of your guests, depending on how that guest list came together, where your hometown is compared to where you've lived in the past. And it is just nice when you've been traveling in particular and you arrive somewhere, you've made that effort to really feel welcomed and greeted. We talk about the importance of introductions and greeting people, and you can't always do it with every person individually with an event the mm -hmm. size of a wedding. And this is a, a little way to, to honor that moment and to start to find ways to make people feel special, welcomed and greeted well. Raphael and Sam, we think that it is well worth the return on investment if you can find the time or maybe if you can enlist some helpers to get those bags to the 14 guests who are going to be staying elsewhere because it it just it does create such a wonderful sense of welcome that if it's possible, if you can find find the space to do it or like we said, get someone to help you do it. I do think it makes a really nice impression and that way you're also creating an equal experience for all guests. And I do think that that's, that's really nice to aim for too. Oh, we got these in our welcome baskets. Wait a minute. I didn't get a welcome basket. Oh, <laughs> bummer. You know, like you don't want to set people up for that type of experience, I think. And having said all of that, if it was really a logistical problem or you just don't know, you can't get the information, I wouldn't worry too, too much about it. It really is an opportunity. This isn't a wedding obligation. This isn't one of those things on the checklist that if it doesn't get done, you're likely to hear about it. Um, someone might think about it just a little bit, but if they're staying <laughs> somewhere that isn't the the suggested block of hotels or rooms and there hasn't been any communication about where they are going to be staying – it's also up to people to realize that there are practical concerns that might have prevented you from being able to have that same gift basket that was waiting for everyone else, waiting for them. I was thinking about if there were any moments of opportunity, places you could catch people where yes. you could deliver something like this if you weren't able to have it waiting at their hotel. And there are some problems with some of them, but others might work. What do you think, <laughs> Lizzie Post? What, what would be some other places? I was just going to say, not to undercut everything you just said about it not being like the check, the biggest check mark you have to check, you know, but you could very easily just keep these bags for either a rehearsal dinner if you're going to be seeing some folks there, but kind of your first point of contact with them might be a time where you could give them those bags and say, oh, here, these have been in everybody's rooms at the hotel and we wanted to get you one too, but we couldn't get it to where you were staying or something like that would be perfectly appropriate and again create that sense of of everyone was included i was even wondering as i was doing that little list in my head whether if there wasn't something like a a pre-event a drinks the day before or rehearsal dinner that you were going to see them at if you would deliver them at a reception something that followed a ceremony sure. and it's a little bit on your way out the door. Here's your welcome present. But <laughs> it might be worth it just to check the, the names off on a list and to it deliver could be. it. I, no, I think so. I think so. And most of the time, the things that are in this this particular little packet, I mean, you might get something like a really cute, you know, little hand fan or a, 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 one of the ones I went to, it was a towel for the beach that, that everyone was going to gather at for a little beach party. You might miss some of those hits if you're, if you're doing it that particular way. But if we're talking about chocolates and treats or some, you know, little things like that, um, sometimes people... People do things like glasses with the name and date of the couple on it, mm -hmm. or date of the wedding, name of the couple on names of the couple on it, those kinds of things. They're just much more evergreen and so very enjoyable, whether it's, you know, when you first arrive or when you're on your way home. Sam and Raphael, congratulations on the wedding. It sounds like you're in the middle of the planning, and we wish you the best on the rest of the preparations and the big day. But how did you know? I mean, it's the very one I wanted. And you said you didn't know how to be thoughtful. <laughs>
Our next question is about a mystery marriage gift. Has anyone out there picked up on the theme for the show yet? <laughs> Hi, Lizzie and Dan. I just got married. We had a wedding registry and multiple people sent us gifts. But there was one gift that came with no card, no packing slip, or anything to indicate who it was from. I called the store we registered with to see if they had a record of who purchased the gift, but they said they couldn't do that. We want to thank whoever gave us this present. Is there an appropriate way to reach out to friends and family to ask who it's from? Thank you, Kate. Kate, this is like, I feel like the first task of many newlyweds is to immediately become detectives and try and figure out who the mystery gift is from. There's always one that doesn't have a tag, doesn't have a return address. You're like, Guaranteed. what's going on here? <laughs> like, what's going on here? And this is a, one of those where I think it's nice to try and, and allow people to claim the gift. It can get awkward. If two people claim the gift. <laughs> okay, that's so. very awkward. That's more awkward than the awkward that I was thinking about. And this really happens. Like, either someone forgets what they gave and they're like, oh, yeah, we gave that. More or, likely. Yeah, or the, 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 you know, more comical side of it or the more nefarious <laughs> side of it, whichever way you want to put it, is that they're like, oh, great. I didn't get a gift. I can claim that one. You know? Okay, could that really happen? Opportunist is there side? Who does that? Really? Truly? I don't know. I've spent two years watching way too much television and movies. But I feel like it is okay to reach out to some folks. I think more obvious is that I don't think you need to anyway reach out to folks who have given you a gift and you thank them for it. There's often a number of folks who either don't know the tradition of, of giving a gift, even if you don't attend, or of giving a gift at a wedding. Believe it or not, that's true too. There are some some folks who don't really know that it's a must-do kind of thing or like a really expected thing. And so there are – most weddings usually have a handful of people who just don't give a gift. And this could be the pool of people that you reach out to. I would ask people individually and just say, hey, we're just reaching out. We have a gift that is no tag, no card, no nothing. We're hoping someone can claim it. It's a this and let folks know. And I think that's one of the only ways you can do it. The way this might come to you, because I'm thinking of rather than you having to just to, to be the detective, yeah. is that sometimes a guest who has not received a thank you note will reach out and say, hey, I'm just checking to see that my package arrived. And that can be the win situation where all of a sudden you're like, ah, here we go, you know. Mm -hmm. um, but I think that given that you probably have a few people that you know haven't given a gift and that you've got this gift that just reaching out and touching base and saying, hey, we got this gift. We're just trying to figure out who it's from. I wouldn't say something like, and because we haven't gotten a gift from you, we figured you're one of the people it might be from. Okay, know? now I mean, we're, we're walking up to the etiquette line. That line does not happen. You don't say that. <laughs> but you do say we're trying to figure out who, who the sender of this wonderful gift is so that we can thank them properly. Did it happen to be you? And that's that's basically the 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 script to go for. So you've already answered the question that was my wondering question as I was thinking Your about ponderance. the answer. And I was yeah. wondering if as you narrowed down the the list of people that had attended but hadn't given a gift, that whether reaching out to that sub list started to identify them in in a way that was maybe inappropriate if you had three, four, or five people say, and by just contacting them, you're kind of pointing out to the ones who weren't the ones that left the unnamed gift but hadn't given anything at all, that they hadn't given something. And I was a little nervous about that, but when I heard your script for asking, it's it's not <laughs> it doesn't about point that out. <laughs> it studiously avoids pointing out that they're on a short list of people who haven't received a thank you note and that's why they're receiving this. Yeah. But you really keep the focus on we've got this thing, it's it's a situation we're trying to deal with. We've got an unidentified gift and we're trying to find who who gave it. And granted, you are reaching out to people who might be closely connected to people who did give a gift and they might say, Hey, did you get that email? I mean, that could happen. 
I wouldn't worry too, too much about it. It's This is a logic thing. Logically, there's a group of people on this guest list that this gift likely is from. And that's so I, f- I feel like no one's feelings should be too hurt. You're not what you're not doing is putting it in an email or a text message with CCs or a, a, a text message where you can see everybody's contact. Mm-hmm. So you're not announcing to everyone else in this particular group who is in the group and that the group is only five people. You know what I mean? Yep. Um, instead, it's it's a one-on-one request. Um, you could maybe get away with a BCC, but I say don't risk it. Reach out to these people individually and just say, we got a gift. I'm just checking in with folks to see if anyone wants to claim it. And that's it. And now the, the way you ask that is the next layer of subtlety that I was wondering about with the sample script, sure. which is whether you make a conditional ask for reply, something like, if this is yours, if you could let me know, that'd be great. That also or, sort yeah. of absolves them from responding, no, that wasn't a gift for me. I'm one of those people <laughs> that didn't give you anything. If you If you can find a wording that allows for just the positive response, I think that's the A plus plus answer. Do y'all see why Dan is is a really fun cousin to have as an editor? Is <laughs> because like that kind of stuff is really important. Those are the little details that you want to make sure you're not inadvertently putting someone in a position of having to claim, no, that's not mine, but instead in a position of just let us know if it is you. I think that's a really smart idea, cousin. Definitely consider it. The only other thing I'd say before closing this answer out is to acknowledge that there is a good reason for doing this, that you're not mm. just doing it to satisfy your own curiosity, that because the giving of a wedding gift is such a such a big expectation for so many people, it is linked to the expectation that people send thank you notes. And the, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. the existence of that gift that you don't know who it came from really creates a, a legitimate issue for the person who's received it they're trying to figure out who to thank and they're trying to put out that good etiquette you know (laughs) and it's important for them to follow through with that and it's important enough that it it justifies or it makes it worthwhile to go through some of the subtlety that we're talking about in this answer and to to really make an effort to try to get that answer if you can so that you can send that thank you note it all comes back to the gratitude it all comes back to the gratitude (laughs) Kate, we certainly hope that you are enjoying post-wedding bliss and that you solve the mystery of who sent you this present. Thanks so much for the question. you for your questions please send us updates or feedback on our answers and of course more questions we definitely need them to awesome etiquette at emilypost.com leave a voicemail or text at 802-858-KIND that's 802-858-5463 or you can find us on social media on twitter we're at emilypostinst on instagram we are at emilypostinstitute and on facebook we are the emilypostinstitute just use the hashtag awesome etiquette with your social media post so that we know you want your question on the show. If you enjoy awesome etiquette, please consider becoming a sustaining member. You can find out more about this by visiting us at patreon.com slash awesome etiquette. You'll find an ads free version of the show and access to bonus questions and content. Plus, you'll feel great knowing you help to keep awesome etiquette on the air. And to those of you who are already sustaining members, thank you so much for your support. It's time for our feedback segment where we hear from you about the questions we answer and the topics we cover. And today we have feedback from Anonymous. Hello, Lizzie and Dan. I had some feedback for the listener who asked about having a two-year-old in his home. The safety tips were awesome, and I agree with Dan when he said it's on the parents to ensure safety. But I also have a few suggestions on how to keep the kids busy and the fear of breaking things at bay. A few things I've done in the past before I had my own children. You could ask the parents what kinds of books the child likes, 
and visit a local library and check out two or three books for the kid to look at or read the books together to make the toddler feel more comfortable in a new environment. I made a little reading corner in our living room with a big chunky blanket and some pillows. They thought it was awesome to have their own little space. All I had to do was move a blanket to the floor and put pillows down. I also have printed off some free coloring sheets online. You may want to make sure the child is old enough to color on paper only. I learned that the hard way, crying face emoji, crying laughing face emoji. Lastly, I purchased some cheap red solo cups as a stacking or building activity. It was easy to clean up to and surprisingly kept the child entertained for quite a while. Good luck, anonymous. Dan, I think those sound like pretty tried and true tested tips. What do you think? I love it. Pillows and blankets everywhere for everyone. I do too. I think it's really, really smart. Anonymous, thank you so much for the awesome feedback. Thank you for sending us your thoughts and updates. Please do keep them coming. You can send your feedback or update to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com or leave us a voice or text at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. It's time for our Postscript segment where we dive deeper into a topic of etiquette. And today we're going to be doing a reading from one of our favorite books on business etiquette, The Cost of Bad Behavior by Christine Porath. And today's reading can be found on page 187. It's about civility in the world and slowing down. Our reading today comes from the concluding chapter of Christine Pearson and Christine Porath's book, The Cost of Bad Behavior. And as Lizzie mentioned, this is one of my absolute favorites when it comes to business etiquette and civility. I think Christine Pearson and Porath do an incredible job of distilling the important information from the academic community that they're a part of and presenting it in a way that anybody, a general reader, can understand. So – in the end of her book, she talks about a number of types of programs that are being run at the state, municipal, organizational level, think schools, nonprofits, religious and community organizations. But then she also talks about two broader concepts that she thinks are really important to have in people's minds if we're really going to focus on civility and and make an improvement to the world that we live in. And the the first concept that she presents is the idea of connectivity, the idea of making an effort to connect with other people, that communities are built when people are connected to each other and that they they form organically around those very important interpersonal connections that people make. But then she develops a second theme that's really her closing thought for the book, and I thought I'd share that with with everyone today. She continues and concludes her chapter. Beyond greater awareness of connectivity, extending civility requires another resource that seems to be in short supply, time. As we saw earlier in the book, many offenders commonly complain that they don't have time to be nice. 60% blamed their bad behavior on being overloaded with work. A potential remedy for this dilemma emerges when we consider what some are calling a revolutionary framework for life, slowness. The United States is arguably the fastest-paced country on Earth. We lead the industrialized world in the number of hours that we put in at work, and we boast endlessly of doing more, better, faster. Some of us thrive on the adrenaline rush triggered in our brains when we face endless demands on our time and achieve frenzied feats. But with this furious acceleration, fast never stays fast enough. So we shift into faster and then faster still. According to our research, the final tally for such endless acceleration must reflect the costs of squelched connectivity and quashed civility. In pursuit of speed, our country has become a hotbed of rage, whether on the road, in the air, or in the office. If there's a quicker way to do it, we pursue it. From the one-minute manager to the one-minute bedtime stories, the consequences be damned. What's to be done? We are not suggesting returning to the pre-industrial era, but it might pay to rein ourselves in a little. In researching this book, we happened upon the Slow Movement, a growing international grassroots program organized to help advocates put the brakes on their lives. Enthusiasts attune themselves to a slower pace and a deeper appreciation of food, art, travel, music, or education. 
The slow food sub-movement alone boasts magazines, websites, international workshops, and 80,000 members in more than 100 countries. We believe that limited application of slowness could greatly benefit civility. It is clear to us that time is crucial in forging meaningful connections and addressing what's important in relationships. When slowness takes hold, quality surpasses speed. If we could slow down, even just a little bit, misunderstandings and relationship mistakes would decrease. As an added benefit, people might actually take more pleasure in their workplaces, their work, and one another. As Ralph Waldo Emerson once remarked, this time, like all times, is a very good one, if we but know what to do with it. Enhancing civility by slowing down does not come without costs. Time, after all, is a finite commodity. Yet even in the workplace, slowness may be achieved by targeting what Carl Honoré, author of the book In Praise of Slowness, prescribes as tempo gisto, finding balance by allocating the right amount of time to the specific pursuit at hand. We are by no means suggesting that people adopt a slow approach to all facets of their lives, or even the majority of their work tasks. Rather, we're reminding people that building and nurturing relationships require civility, and that civility sometimes takes just a little extra time. In the long run, investing a little bit of time to foster better relationships can add up to great savings. And the effects are broader than that. Championing respect and caring in the workplace will certainly improve civility throughout society. So much can be accomplished as organizations, large and small, discover that it pays to be civil. Oh, very good choice for a reading, Dan. Thank you so much for bringing that to us. I am always a big fan of The Cost of Bad Behavior. I find so much satisfaction reading it, and that that section, I felt so much satisfaction listening to it. I raised my little hand and said, sign me up as a part of the slow movement. Um, as you know, I tend to try to go as fast as possible with work, and it's always a challenge for me to slow down, but the pandemic really slowed us down, and I found, I think, a lot of uh, ways to embrace that slowness and the freedom from anxiety that it can create, even though it feels like because you're not rushing, you would be making things more anxious in your life. Uh-huh. It's no, it's really it's it's really a great sort of mind shift when you can absorb some of that the idea of that slow movement. And very cool to see the Christines end their book with sort of a a, a how to like a, a direction to go towards to start applying some of these things and to to fix some of what we see as that cost of bad behavior. I'm reminded a little bit of how Anything that you're doing that is new can mm -hmm. seem like it's taking more time. It, it mm -hmm. fills up and requires more of your internal system. So even the process of slowing down, I think when you've been moving fast, it can feel like a bigger deceleration than it even is. Mm -hmm. As mm -hmm. all of a sudden the, the totality of a moment or a relationship or fully inhabiting a, a time and place becomes apparent to you. And – I think the longer that you do it, the more time you spend slowing down and and particularly focusing on connecting with other people in the moment, really sharing time and space with others, that it starts to become something that feels less and less awkward and starts to be more and more delicious, more and more refreshing. And there really are rewards to be reaped long term. We started off this podcast talking about how busy we both are getting ready to be able to relax a little bit and that <laughs> yeah. relationship between speed and and time and 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 both working quickly enough that you can make time but then also really being sure to make time when it's important and mm -hmm. i think relationships are oftentimes a good key when we're mm -hmm. with other people when we're physically present with others those are great moments to really take a couple breaths and see if you can slow the pace down just a little bit because those are moments where there are real rewards to be reaped. Absolutely. Thank you so much for bringing us that reading. And if you want to check out The Cost of Bad Behavior, you can find it at any of your local favorite bookstores or online retailers. Good postscript, Dan. Thanks, LP. You can control the fire of your emotions. You can balance your emotions and use them so that your personality becomes more pleasant. 
and you and those around you are a great deal happier and healthier. We like to end our show on a high note, so we turn to you to hear about the good etiquette you're seeing and experiencing out in the world, and that can come in so many forms. And today we have a salute from Maggie. Hello. I'm writing with an etiquette salute about my cousin Jennifer. Jennifer introduced me to the show many years ago, and I believe she created a family tree for you a few years back. Oh, ah. I know well, who we're talking about. <laughs> if Jennifer's listening, hello. And if, Jennifer, you're not listening, I hope that Maggie will pass along our well wishes. The salute continues. This past weekend, Jennifer and her husband graciously hosted me and my boyfriend. Her hosting skills were excellent, as always, a true testament to her character and her listening to the podcast. <laughs> because of her ongoing generosity, my boyfriend and I decided to take a train into the city to head to the airport instead of having Jennifer drive us around an hour to get there. When we got on the train, however, I realized I didn't have my phone, which I carry my ID and all of my cards with, too. Oh, After no. getting in touch with Jennifer, she graciously drove to the city to give me my phone. Exactly what we were trying to avoid the whole time. Without her, we would have been lost and stuck. I hope you will include this message as a testament to my cousin's good etiquette, much of which I'm sure comes from her character. But I'm sure her years of listening to the show also contribute. <laughs> Wink. Winky face. <laughs> thank you for all that you do. Sincerely, Maggie. Maggie, thank you so much. This is such a, a heartwarming, like, audience listener to audience listener, family to family <laughs> etiquette salute. I really appreciate it. And it is so good to hear of Jennifer being awesome with etiquette out in the world. It was really cool when she when she sent us that uh, that family tree. From two cousins to another couple cousins, it really is a delight to hear about what a family affair the Awesome Etiquette family is. Maggie, thank you for this salute. Thank you for listening today. And thank you to everyone who sent us something and everyone who supports us on Patreon. Please connect with us and share this show with your friends, family, or maybe your coworkers, however you like to share podcasts to get the word out. You can send us your next question, piece of feedback, or salute by email to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. You can leave us a voicemail or text at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. On Twitter, we are at Emily Post Inst. On Instagram, we are at Emily Post Institute. And on Facebook, we are at the Emily Post Institute. Please consider becoming a sustaining member by visiting us at patreon.com slash awesome etiquette. You can also subscribe to the ads version of our show on Spotify or your favorite podcast app. And please consider leaving us a review. It helps our show ranking, which will help more people find awesome etiquette. Our show is edited by Chris Albertine and assistant produced by Bridget Dowd. Thanks, Thanks Chris, Chris and Bridget. And Bridget. <laughs>